0: You're listening to the Plus Music Podcast with Brian and Nick, where we're talking to artists about what it's like to get your music heard in the ever-changing music industry, Uh, how it is to use tools like social media and other platforms as an independent artist in a changing music business. Today we're sitting down with musician and composer Jacob Shea. Jacob joins us from his Los Angeles studio and talks to us about how he got started in the composing and scoring world. The business of it, the dues he had to pay, and ultimately learning from the best while working with the likes of Steve Jablonsky, Elliot Goldenthal, and of course the great Hans Zimmer. Here's more from Jacob now. Welcome to the show, Jacob Shea.
1: Uh, thank you. Hello, good to see both you and Nick.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: good, good to, good to see you, man. Um, I have questions and we'll just jump into it. So if I you know, there's, there's a lot of paths for a musician, right? There's yeah. I want to be in a band. There is, I just want to write songs. I'm whatever, or I want to go compose music for film TV stuff. That's where you ended up. Was yeah. that where you wanted it to go? Or is that how you, is that, that just something that happened?
1: It's a good question. I, I mean, it was kind of, just a fortuitous um, things lining up and things happening. Uh, I knew I wanted to pursue music in some avenue, and, and I wasn't necessarily um, all in on one direction necessarily.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I was, I was uh, big in the jazz in college, like crazy in the jazz guitar. And wow. uh, I thought that, you know, it would be amazing to be like the next Kurt Rosenwinkel or Schofield or some of these guys that, that, uh, Bill Frizzell, like these kind of larger than life kind of added to the musical language um, people. And I wound up in my second year getting a, a, a pretty bad case of tendonitis. And uh, so I was a guitar performance major and I, I kind of had to reevaluate and uh, I was interested in composition and I had been composing probably since I was 17 or something. And so I switched gears and that was like the first kind of uh, setting me down, the composer Mm -hmm. for film and television and video games. So wait, you
0: you switched gears because the tendonitis prevented you from playing like long jazz gigs?
1: Yeah, yeah, and just like I was studying classical guitar and so uh, at least uh, um, at the level that I'm expected to be performing, it requires a lot of hours of kind of sitting in the music room, practicing pieces and uh, repertoire Mm -hmm. and I just couldn't hang.
2: Let me ask you a question, Jacob. Do you like performing? Did you like performing live?
1: I mean, I loved it. It's a rush, man. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that was, you know, I've still in various guises been able to do that uh from time to time. But I also was very wary. Um as I got closer to graduating, I got very wary of the kind of traveling musician life and how it seemed pretty uh, incompatible with wanting to start a family and, and kind of, you know, settling down at some point, which is something I knew I wanted. Um, I met my wife in, in college. Uh, she was a flute major and she is from Los Angeles. Um, and so when we, it came time to graduate, I, I added a year on to my college studies because of the switch of major. Um And so I stuck around a year after I had intended. And that summer, I'd uh, seen a film, Uh actually it was the winter before I saw a film called 13 Conversations About One Thing, which is like this independent film with John Turturro. And- Actually, I've, uh, I've heard of that. I, yeah and the music in it just i thought it was incredible and uh it was by this guy alex worman and so i sent him an email saying i'm in santa barbara for another year and i've got the summer to kill can i come down to la and see what it is that you do for a living and he was gracious enough to say okay um that's very cool yeah (laughs)
0: talk about a leap of faith and just yeah. dropping an email that's great
1: yeah I mean it was it it was great uh it was something that I really did not expect to kind of come to pass but uh he was he was gracious enough to have me come down and so I came down and saw how he spent his days and I thought this is really amazing. It would be just a dream to be able to call this your profession, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's um, so crazy
0: you can call like a famous composer to get like advice, but I could never call Keith Richards or Frick. <laughs> 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 you know, I can't like drop an email to slash and be like, well, can I come check out how you be a rock star? That's what I want to be.
1: <laughs> Pretty cool though. Yeah, no, it was it was it was really um and that's, that's been my experience. I mean, I, I've been fortunate in the fact that a lot of people I've approached over kind of my apprenticeship years were really kind of welcoming and and uh, willing to share, you know, their expertise and their, their experience. So uh, yeah, man, I hung with him and I knew that after graduating, Lindsay, who's now my wife, was my girlfriend at the time, was going to move back to LA and I just said okay you know uh people that want to be doctors spend about seven years of postgraduate work trying to become a doctor and doing their residency and all that all stuff mm-hmm. I'm gonna give myself seven years in LA just as as much as I can afford to stay here and I'm just gonna try and get in the business um and so i moved down here and i got a gig at a now defunct uh music retailer and uh taught guitar lessons and piano lessons and just tried to make ends meet for the first two years and then i started getting um jobs doing assistant work for other film composers. And so I what couldn't...
0: was what was like the first call that you were like, fuck man, I'm I'm grinding. It's I'm in year two. I'm paycheck to paycheck, teaching little shits piano, and I'm not even paying attention. I'm way <laughs> too talented for this. But now your phone rings and it's this, Jacob, we got a gig for you. So what yeah. was what was the gig? What was the reality of it? And where did it go from there?
1: Well, the, the biggest one was uh, I saw Craigslist ad for a composer assistant position in Santa Monica. And having worked with Alex for a bit, um, I, I knew that that's where media ventures slash remote control was situated. And I thought that you know the odds were good that it kind of was in that constellation of composers, mm-hmm. and so I reached out to them, and it was it was for an assistant position for this guy Trevor Morris, and uh, he was renting space in Hans's campus, and I interviewed for the job. I didn't get it, um, and then like two weeks later, he was like the assistant that I did hire couldn't hack it. And do you want to try? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was a grueling apprenticeship. Like I was not easy. Like, what do
0: it. you do? And God, thanks. Well, I, I'm really, I really want the job now Now that you set it up as yeah. the last guy <laughs> quit. Ever.
2: Well, let's, let's pause for a second. Right. For the, for the listeners. Um, Let's zoom out for a second. We'll come back to the narrative because it's a great Please. story. We're going to come back. And it sounds like you're getting closer to Hans Zimmer, which is like, and most people know who that is. Yeah. Um, what is it that a composer does? And I know that's, a, I'm simplifying. and I, I'm aware sure. of it, but just let's, let's zoom out and let's say, okay, cool. I'm a composer of music. That's what you are. This is how I approach like putting music together for something. Right.
1: I mean, it's, yeah, it, essentially it is being a collaborator in a film, television or game project. And you kind of uh, have discussions and, and kind of be almost a bit of like a musical psychiatrist. You take in what, what the aims are, of, of the director to tell the story in the way in which he or she wants to.
2: What words do they use for stuff like that?
1: It runs the gamut, man. There are people that have like more musical knowledge than I do that I've dealt with. And that's kind of humbling and, uh, and amazing. And then there are other people that don't know what a scale is or harmony or melody. And they just talk in this really Fundamentally, emotional language, and that is also great because um
0: then it's left to your interpretation, really.
1: Yeah, and you can also both. You know, there, there's a thing that that a lot of composers dread, which is this temp soundtrack, which is before usually before they even reach out to a composer, they're trying music against their project and going, "I like this, I don't like that," and a lot of composers that that maybe are um, more artistically confident than myself, go, oh, I don't even wanna hear that. And for me, especially when it's someone that that doesn't, uh, is not musically inclined, it's really helpful to both look at something and go, this is working for some reason. And then I can go and tinker away with like, knowing that that's a, at least a point of reference that we can both point to and go, okay, there's something about this.
0: And I would Uh, think that would be like the, the super helpful. It's crazy. I mean, uh, with, with what you do, I mean, even when I would record records, if a drummer says, I want drums to sound like Ringo Starr, you kind of know you want them damp and very tight as opposed to like a big roomy, big rock sound. Whereas if someone said to you, I want something that feels very burnt back
1: rack. Right. I think that would be helpful. It would. It was certainly, I feel like I function best at, as a composer anyway, and, and I'm probably well-suited for a composer for media because of this. I function best when limitations are imposed on me. Like if mm-hmm. I'm working within a framework, then I make creative choices that all, that serve what I'm working on and also challenge me to, to be creative within this box you know mm-hmm. and and then there are other projects where where they really do want my initial read on stuff and and I'm able to kind of go left field and try some stuff um and those are rewarding for different uh reason together
2: yeah so Jacob so as I'm hearing you say it um people come to you and they say look I I need this to feel like cocoon, you know, from this time frame and on top of this or whatever. And I need you to do that. And then do they hand you the reel that of the different segments or do you, do you do it? Have you ever done it sight unseen? Like where yeah. you don't even get a look at the, the cut while you're creating for it.
1: It really does run the gamut. Like I've, I've, usually what happens is the music is kind of, not thought of last, but pretty close to the end of the whole process. That's I yeah. think. Changing... Post-production, it's part
2: of post-production.
1: Exactly, yeah. and, and so what usually happens is the the footage is already assembled and edited at least into some workable version usually a rough cut is what they call it. Um, but you usually see a cut of, of the project, whatever it is. And you usually see it with music kind of preordained for various scenes. Um, and there are obvious exceptions to that. I'd say um, I finished a movie over the winter where literally the film was assembled but like there wasn't a soundtrack there just wasn't the the director was not happy with anything he heard so you just and heard like it,
2: just the the dialogue and like background that's all i
1: got and <laughs> and i kind of had to to through many meetings kind of into it the style he was he was trying to go for um more often than not, it is like you see an assembly and and it's got tons of music in it. And ideally, you have a, a meeting early on where the guy says, you know, what do you like about, about this? And you can say, I, I think what you did here is really cool. and And I think this feels like a anachronistic piece of music in this one scene. And I'm curious why that doesn't fit in with the general vibe. And he'll usually give, or she will usually give uh, an answer that that really informs me as to what they're trying to do with the story and, and why they selected it and stuff. It, yeah, it's, yeah.
2: How, does, how does that differ? So it's really interesting and it, it's got me thinking, I know you've done games and, and film, um, what is the difference between the process with games? Because is that something you got to play it? Are you
1: playing it? Well, that's a good question. I, I, with most of the game work that I've done, a lot of it is captured gameplay that is sent to me as QuickTime movies. Yeah. And uh, if I get involved early enough, they'll send kind of artist- kind of sketches of where they hope the art artistic direction is is going or a storyboard or some kind of script it's a bit more piecemeal than than TV or film where it it usually is that the the thing they're going to broadcast out into the world really is close to what mm-hmm. you're seeing yeah and in a game it's it's like we have this idea for a story point at this point in the game we don't know what's really on either side of it, but let's start here. And they throw it to me, and then we have a dialogue about that specific thing.
2: And so, in that space, you're gonna compose a a piece, essentially, and then you give them the piece, and then they'll they'll program it into the game to be to interact with the game.
1: Yeah, I'd say even probably before that. Um, on every video game that I've worked on, there's been an initial kind of write us what you based on on what we're wanting to get at visually for the game and narratively. What do you envision the score to sound like? And it's it's kind of like it's not a demo, but it, it is a little bit there. You know, you send them five pieces, or you you take a week and write a bunch of material, and you say. I think something like this would be really cool for your game. And, uh, and then if they decide to work with you, then at least you have a jumping off point to like, they can, they can reference material that you provided specifically for their game and how they want you to manipulate that material to fit certain scenes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Then you can work on it. Um, So you know, for those out there, musicians are thinking, I would love to have my music in a game and there's tons of games out there, right? It sounds like you're talking to some of the bigger projects, but like, what is your experience then? They'll, they'll give you a retainer, is this on spec that you have to come up with stuff for them?
1: Well, yeah, I'd say the, the spec thing is, it's most common pretty common. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think even, you know, it's, it's tricky. There there are a lot of, there's a lot of content out there and there's a lot of people that want to do this stuff and a lot more than when I was starting out, however long ago. Um, and so there's kind of established composer representative agencies that will kind of be in contact with major game studios, AAA studios, yeah. and they'll get like a cattle call and they'll say, hey, 10 composers that are on the roster that have this many credits. Do any of you want to pitch for this. Yeah. And each of them will spend a day and write something. And then the agency will go, you know, here's here's a bunch of ideas for your game. What do you think? And so you're competing already with like a a yeah. real a bunch of people that have been doing Mm -hmm. it a long time. Yeah. Um, That's super interesting, though. Yeah. Um, Which isn't to say that you can't... You know, content is king. So if, if you come along with the amazing idea and you get it in their hands, it doesn't matter if you're established or not. Like, if they think you're up for the task, they'll pick you.
2: Have you ever pitched the same track twice? That is a good question.
1: Because
2: <laughs> <And, laughs> honestly, and, like, you know, hey, we're
1: like, not exactly
2: more ask type thing. And, you know, like, you're like, well, I got something sounds like that. And then somebody else asked for it. And you're like, well, kind of still you got
0: that. Build up a
1: stable of shit as you as you pitch for tons of different things. Yeah. And you go, okay, I think this melody is strong. Maybe the whole orchestration of it is wrong. Mm -hmm. but I at least don't have to think of a melody this time around because this one wasn't used. And I like this melody for this project. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you get kind of a jumping off point without having to kind of sweat at the blank page every Mm -hmm. time. Uh, I got
0: a question for you. Yeah. So you said there's times when a director or even a game will come back and say, this is good, but, this is what should happen here instead and then kind of critique your music as to what should happen. Have you ever flip flopped it and gone, actually I think that scene that you put in there kind of sucks and you should move it over to that. <laughs> now, that would be bold. That,
1: uh, as an assistant and it's, it's not a great tactic. Um, <laughs> if you want to, if you, I mean it all depends on the relationship with the person you're working with. hmm if, if they are a massive fan of your work, like, I mean, for instance, like when I was working with Hans, there are people that think what Hans says about their movie, they should hear that. They want to mm-hmm. take that in.
0: I've actually heard that. That's why Spielberg uses John Williams is because he was always so vocal on where his music and how it played with his scenes and would literally sometimes suggest, I think it should be a dust storm here.
1: Right. You're right. Yeah. If if the level of collaboration is truly like, there's a longstanding relationship and there's like this kind of, um, yeah, just inherent trust that's established. Yeah. That will happen. I'm, I have no doubt. And it's such uh, a,
2: it's such an integral part. Like, uh, I think Hans Zimmer did Dunkirk, right?
0: Yeah. Um, oh, great that movie! Was,
2: like one of my favorite soundtracks for a movie, Ooh. just because it was like it was so intense. It didn't ever let you off the hook the entire movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like that was a, a movie that was equally drive driven by its soundtrack and the movie itself you know and that's a uh, christopher nolan i think was that did that movie That's but, um, and yeah. so you know two obviously a great director tenant really good idea questionable execution i hope he doesn't hear that because i would love to meet us but uh, <laughs> i think that was a really cool idea i think the movie tenant needed to be like twice as long to tell the the arc that it needed, to be. but but no, back to 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 Dunkirk. Like what what an interesting soundtrack. What's your favorite sound? Do you have a favorite soundtrack ever?
1: That's mm. tough, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really tough. I think. What I co- know, what pops to your head first? What pops in my head is uh, is Punch Drunk Love and Eternal Sunshine. This follows mine. I think John Bryan is kind of uh, wow.
0: Okay. Is, yeah. I love I know. Jellyfish. <laughs> Jellyfish was badass, that band. And oh. that's where he started, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. That's crazy. Um, um the thing about Punch Drunk Love was it was like truly it was that kind of collaborative spirit where like John Bryan was on set. The the guy used his music on set and it informed what happened in the performances of the actors and then it it felt like kind of a holistic storytelling experience because everything was so kind of enmeshed from the word go and um and I think Chris Nolan and Hans are very similar in that regard I know that for um Inception it was like I think Hans had written 60 minutes of music or something based on the script you know it Was it was like and then nolan would would kind of feedback on that as he was shooting it was it was super it, that sort of collaboration was really intense mm-hmm. that
2: makes sense yeah. it must be such a cool uh way to do creative work you know when you can be at that level with those types of thinkers and you know to have that like ability and budget yeah yeah no exactly
1: it sounds like the most fun and and rewarding arguably i mean i i yeah i imagine there's also a lot of stress
2: (laughs) yeah well let's 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 go back a little bit let's go back to the narrative and you know take us back to how you you got this gig and you start learning the ropes and
1: yeah it winds up you know i'm I'm working in Hans's building kind of 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. Kind of still like I'm basically living there for about four months. And Hans, he, I think was in the middle of Pirates 2 or maybe Pirates 3. I don't know. It was a while ago. But I, I was working really late. He was heavily... uh devoted to a project at the time. And he'd roam the halls at like two o'clock, three o'clock. And I would be like the only one there. And I would be working on uh, Trevor's uh, sampler computers, like fixing something that got broken. And Hans needed a tech uh, right around that time, a technical assistant. And uh, Trevor was deciding that our personalities were not necessarily compatible it was gonna let me go and I had also been thinking about moving on because it, it was it was truly a grueling kind of uh, apprenticeship and Hans uh, heard that I was rolling and was like this guy seems very um, devoted and and really invested in in doing a good job. Let's give him a shot. And so I was hired to, to work with Hans in 2006 or yeah, the end of 2006. That's cool. Uh, Yeah. I worked as his assistant. And then, you know, as time went on, I got into kind of working on the sequences in the movie and like help with programming, uh, and doing some arranging and things. Uh, I stayed with him for about five years. And uh, it was...
0: Is he an intimidating dude to be around? Did you find it easy, less grueling than the other guy you are working for?
1: He was intimidating to be sure. And I mean, I'm a... i am I, uh, I think his reputation precedes him, you know, in the sense that he's he's such a well-known figure it's, he could be the the chillest guy in the room and you'd still be intimidated at the beginning just because mm-hmm. of his status in the industry um so uh he, but he's a, an extremely generous individual uh, a lot of, a lot of the time and he's got a, a tremendously good sense of humor uh and so yeah he can be he can be a tough guy to work with or for. But mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's a good dude.
0: But like uh, with him is, you know, I mean, we've all done, uh, you know, work at all hours to get your career going. I remember the 24 hour stints in a studio and stuff. But yeah, yeah. then you get to a Hans Zimmer. You don't really need to. Like, is it, does he put you through the <laughs> ringer like that? Like, yeah. I want you here midnight, 6 a.m. doing my shit. Or is it more here's your weekly schedule and we're going to stick pretty close to it. <laughs>
1: no, I would leave at midnight and he would be looking from the computer. You go, Oh, half day. Huh? <laughs> I'd be like, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, so he's definitely the latter. He's mm-hmm. like, and to his credit um, on inception, it was like there, there had been some volcanic activity in. Iceland, I want to say, 2010, there's like a volcano popped off and people were grounding flights and it was like this panic about being able to go to and from England where Hans was going to record the score for Inception. And instead of us going, we flipped our schedules around and at 10 a.m. London time, which was, wait, wait we started recording at 1 a.m. Los Angeles time. That's all I remember, or 10 p.m. Los Angeles time. And we went from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. for like a week straight, and we would- Oh,
0: because he was in London and you were in America. No,
1: no, he was in America, and he did the whole thing. He flipped his schedule, and like Nolan would show up at like 6 a.m. in the morning and catch some of the scoring session, and then we'd do fixes. For some of the cues for the next day, during the day before the next 10 p.m. call call time. Oh, that was, would
0: just kill me.
1: It was terrible.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, really but, cool. What did
2: what did you what did you learn from working with 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 Zimmer? Like, how does he think in approach composing? That was that makes him different just besides his, his own creative self. Right. But is there like a work habit? Does he have the work? The pro? work ethic
1: is insane and he doesn't stop experimenting, which is something that like, I, I don't know that I have the balls for uh, quite honestly, like mm-hmm. at a certain point, we just gotta go. We got to get to the finish line. Yeah. And he'll be like, I had an idea last night. Why don't we redo the last, like, six cues of the movie with this idea?
0: And, and you're click, sitting there internally going,
1: fuck, yeah. no! And it's like, in the middle of scoring, and you're like, wait, seriously? And he's like, yeah, let's try it. Uh, so, like, I admire cool. that a lot. And uh, and it's something that, that I have yet to... Because
0: um, that's kind of a young man's gig to do that. Like, I would imagine like, I don't think Hans is like in, in really old, but I, you know, I mean. No,
1: but he's, he's not, he's, he's no spring so. spring chicken. Yeah, he's, he's, he's on, you know, he's, yeah. He's not, he's not a young dude, but he's so just excited to work. Mm-hmm. Like his level of enthusiasm is unwavering. And that's uh, really cool and, to hear. Yeah, and it's it's amazing to see honestly uh, that like that that's been a, a, a huge kind of inspiration is to go and music. Okay. You know, they say that music
0: does that to you, yeah. keeps you young. I remember even I played Lollapalooza years ago, and I when I was a kid, I loved Jane's Addiction. Like they were like oh my yeah, first band I really got like fandom about like the eighth and ninth grade. I grew up and. We played a few shows with him and I met Perry, the singer Perry, and I remember he came up and he was like mid to late fifties. And I was like in my thirties. And the dude looked like better than me, you know, just like great hair, no wrinkles, he was thin and in shape. And I said, I was like, you know, Perry, I just got to tell you, man, you look fantastic. Like, what's your secret? And he's all, it's music, man. I've got some friends that just stopped playing music and they got, heavy, lost their hair, they started dressing really bad, but music, it keeps you young and looking good. And he walked <laughs> off and I was like, huh, there's your answer. Well,
1: there you go. Well, I, <laughs> yeah.
0: think, I think there's
2: something to it though. One, like, when you, if you can live, if you can live a life where, you know, you're clearly excited to get up in the morning and and you're inspired, like, that works with your physiology, like, being happy and, and like into it and mm. focused. And I think there's a whole nother level. And if you just phoned it in doing a job, then you better have other hobbies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you got to have some cool hobbies outside of it. Um, what, what, what do you want to do with the next five years? Like, what are your personal
1: goals? I mean, honestly, I'm... Uh... More of what you're doing? I'm super happy to be be doing what I'm doing. And um yeah, I mean more of the same it would be would be uh ideal. It's yeah, it's it's kind of like uh Is
2: there anything you haven't done yet that you wanna do? It's
1: a good question. Um play Madison Square Garden man. <laughs> it's everyone's dream. We were going to play a concert at the O2 Arena, which would have been in London. Yeah,
0: played there twice. I'm sorry, I just got really. Oh, that's amazing! (laughs) Um,
1: And so uh, that that would be good to to experience at some point, though. uh, You know, it's not like uh, it's not. It would be a thrill, but it's not. It's not like I'm going to be upset if I don't get Mm -hmm. to. Uh, yeah, man, I, I think at this point, just, uh, working, do you want to run uh, a
0: ship on a major movie?
1: Like, just
0: like, here we go. Jacob, this is your thing. This is the next Christopher Nolan, your running point, your soundtrack. No, really too much.
1: Not for me, man. I mean, uh, It would, it's not, it's not where I derive the most kind of, I don't know, man. I've just, I've seen a lot of people at the top and what it takes to be, to operate on that plane of existence. Mm -hmm. And like, I really love my uh, life as it is. You know your strengths, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I um I'm not saying I would necessarily immediately turn it down it's certainly an enticing proposition but like for me I I I love like stuff like Mr Robot and like Fargo and like these kind of episodic television series that are kind of psychological and weird and have this um really kind of Highly stylized um, musical palette, uh, and mm-hmm. like I would love to do those things more often. I'm working on a German show called Pagan Peak. It's Der Pass in in German, and it's based on uh, the series The Bridge, this Denmark Swedish kind of crime drama. Or it's not based on, but it's inspired by. And that's been tremendously fun to work on because it's like, it's from the same guys that do Dark, the Netflix thing with the um, yeah. this guy, Ben Frost, who's this really interesting kind of electronic artist that also is doing a lot of scoring work. And um, just doing weird kind of, orchestrations and instrumentation choices, like uh, just getting into manipulating sound in, uh, in a drama that's high level is like that. That's where it's at for me. It's cool. Yeah. Super cool.
2: So you're, all right, where do we go from here as we wrap up? Because You know, we've got a couple more. I mean, I'd love to hear, like... A bunch of things, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's pick one. Go ahead, bro.
0: I was just going to say, like, if we're going to play our listeners, we generally end a lot of our shows with music. I'd I'd love to know, I mean, now you've got game compositions, movie compositions, pieces you've been parts of. What would be, if we wanted to say, have you heard Jacob Shea? (laughs) No, then... Oh, yeah. then check this out. Like, what is a piece that we could play our audience to get a little more familiar with what you do that you're proud of?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to pick one because I pride myself on being a kind of musical chameleon. Um, mm-hmm. That, you know, so I wouldn't say one track. It, it well, is, what would it,
2: get, what would sound good as an intro and outro credit for us podcast? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, don't think nice. about what you want. Think about oh, what makes our get, show. Yeah. Here's your stay. first yeah, gig. Okay.
2: Okay. Podcast about music, <laughs> a music tech. Couple hands talking side. with another. Hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what would, this, what, would, this, what, would this sound, what would the sound? What the what would the sound be for that? What would
1: you? Compose? Yeah, I mean the, the on the on the more orchestral side. I've been really fortunate to work on a bunch of BBC nature documentaries oh. uh, as of late. And so I just finished this one seven worlds, one planet. Um, and I wrote the the theme track with Hans on that. And so that would be a good example. Um
2: Is that something that you can share with us and and play it on here?
1: I mean, I think so. I, Heck
2: yeah. Yeah, well, I I probably you got should your get... word. It's on tape. Huh?
0: <laughs> you got your word. <laughs> Excellent. One of the writers is okay that for the show. And go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I, I mean, I could certainly, the, the thing that's tricky with television is, you know, I mean, with composition periods, you don't really own the rights.
0: You're Unless your- you're Hans Zimmer. <laughs> There's no way that guy doesn't own his publishing. I'm sure he lives in a oh, castle.
1: On a lot of things, he doesn't, man. You'd be surprised. Really? He, but they get
0: he, big is, up front. He Check, is so.
1: retroactively cleaning that up. But-
0: Because you know who literally stays at home sleeping with models on piles of money in their old age is Bill Conti. That gonna fly now <laughs> makes that guy public? so much money.
1: Oh my god! Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's tremendous. <laughs> Just on Rocky reruns alone, dude. Uh, well, that's cool. So, give us the song. What do, what do you call it? And what are we? Um, what, we play, what's, what are we playing? What are we playing? Playing it, the song
1: oh it's uh i mean it's the main theme from seven worlds one planet uh so, seven worlds one planet boom sweet or something cool uh Excellent. but yeah i i'll uh i'll send you an yes. mp3 send it
0: over here it is now and um jacob we hope uh, you keep us posted jacob. on what's coming up for the rest of 2021 yeah. Yeah.
2: and leave Appreciate us with leave us with this you worked your way up you, you got in, you figured it out. What would you tell somebody aspiring to do the same besides sending you an email and
1: hoping... <laughs> You're welcome it, to. Uh, the assistant. What, what yeah, would you say to do? I would say... Um, man, practice your craft. Write every day. Literally every day. Get in the habit of writing because the, the thing that was, was the hardest kind of leap of faith for me was like for a TV series, you're turning around 40 minutes a week. So like, if you're not conditioned to do that, at least speaking for me, when I wasn't conditioned to do that, I was freaking out. Um, And, but if you write every day, then you start to realize like, it's possible. (laughs) Um, So, yeah right all the time and don't be afraid to i mean it's it's tough there's more the signal to noise ratio is a lot lower uh, or the the noise is greater now it's really hard it's hard to just send someone an email it's hard to put your stuff up on soundcloud and have a bunch of people respond to it because everyone's posting to these sites and stuff but um, but yeah i i would say the, you know um, find, finding someone that has worked the job that you want to work in and will kind of lend your stuff an ear or give you some advice, reaching out to, to people that are in the industry is definitely something to try.
2: Cool. Good advice. Right. We'll leave it at that. Great, <laughs> Great to meet
1: Great to see you that yeah, like back again all right that sounds good that's right, great speaking. all right
0: talk to you my man all right.